I think our son was about four years old and seemed like just in such a very short time, my wife, she noticed he had a, a growth on his, on his hip and it got larger and larger and got hurting him. And we just, we prayed and, and you know, we, we're not super spiritual people or anything like that. And we, you know, you don't hear voices or anything. But I tell you, the, the, Lily and I both, we're just so convinced that God wanted us to just put that thing in His hands. And we're not against doctors. We go to doctors and, and, uh, and thank the Lord for them. But we just really believe we want to put that in His hands and, and for Him to show our son what He could do. And that thing kept growing and, and Esther was unhappy with us and Mackie. And my parents were unhappy with us. And, and finally, one day, I got up, I was getting ready to go to work. And my boy got up that morning, and he couldn't walk. He's just crawling across the floor. He said, Daddy, my, my hip, it hurts so bad. And I just felt like a dog. I told him, I said, Son, we, Jesus is going to take care of this. I just, I just know he is. And I went to work that day and prayed through the day, and my wife was praying, and Lillian's mom, you know, everybody we knew was praying. I came home from work that day and got out of the car, and my son came running across the yard. He said, Daddy, 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 Jesus healed my bump. And my wife showed me, and he had a mark on his hip, a line, looked like a physician had made an incision and, and opened that thing up and taken it out and closed it back up, and, and he just... It was gone, never had another, another problem again with the day in his life. And so we know that God can heal. I remember we prayed for Sister Peter once and some real serious things and, and other people. And uh, we know the Lord heals in answer to prayer. And there's other times he has uh, something else in mind. So we don't order him. We don't give him commands. But we know, we know that he can, can heal and we, we thank him for it. So, All right, let's turn to the book of Matthew. Book of Matthew, the 18th. Chapter, Matthew 18, Matthew chapter 18, we started this morning a look at Jesus as the Son of Man. We've been looking at the names and titles of Jesus. He is the Son of Man. That title is used 84 times of Jesus in the Bible, 80 of them by the Lord Himself. It's the name by which he liked to refer to himself. And so we're looking today at 22 places in Matthew where Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man and in so doing lays out his entire purpose in coming the first time and then lays out his entire purpose in coming or, or since his first coming, including his second coming. This morning we saw that Jesus, the Son of Man, lived without earthly comfort, Matthew 8.20. He was a friend to sinners, Matthew eleven nineteen. He preached the word, Matthew thirteen thirty seven. He had power to forgive sins, Matthew nine six. He was Lord over the Sabbath day, Matthew twelve eight. Had authority over over the angels, Matthew thirteen forty one. He was betrayed in the hands of men, Matthew seventeen twenty two. Condemned to death, Matthew twenty eighteen. Suffered at the hands of men, Matthew seventeen twelve. Died for sinners, Matthew twenty twenty eight. Was dead and buried three days, Matthew twelve forty. Rose from the dead, Matthew seventeen nine. Ascended to sit at the Father's right hand, Matthew twenty six verse sixty four. That's the first coming 
of the Son of Man. All right, let's let's start tonight, Matthew 18, and verse number 11. Matthew 18, verse number 11. For the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. Is that a beautiful verse? Matthew 18, 11. For the Son of Man is come to save that which is lost. First of all, I'm glad there is a Son of Man. I'm glad that the Son of God became flesh and dwelt among us, walked among men as a man. I'm glad the Son of Man has come, but I'm glad He's come to save. I mean, He could have just come and lived a great life and, and gone on back where He was and said, see what I can do? You can't do that. He could have come to condemn. He could have come to destroy. But aren't you glad the Son of Man is come to save? And then the verse continues, the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. He said, they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, not that there are any righteous, but never mind if they were. I was lost. How about you? Were you lost? Aren't you glad to know the Son of Man came to save that which was lost? Now, lost implies, I mean, it's pretty obvious, that you don't know where you're going. Or that you've wandered off from some place and you don't know how to get back. I'm glad the Son of Man came to get me where I need to be. Yesterday, the pastor was uh, taking me to the, to the uh, airport. We're driving from, from Worcester. I'm just going to say it that way because that's, that's what it says on the map. Worcester. Brother Ossinger's from Worcester. I didn't know that. He, he doesn't have that real strong accent. But I bet if we get him talking to Susan Shaughnessy... I bet she can bring it out of him, because Susan from Worcester. But anyway, we're driving from, from Worcester down to Providence. It's Providence on the map, but I just, anyway. So we're driving down there, and he, he said, well, I don't, need to, I don't need to worry about where I'm going. I got this GPS. And so we're driving along, and the woman that lives inside that little box there, we got, we got to where the interstate split and, and went this, this way, and there's a sign. I saw a sign that said, it said, uh, uh, Green Airport, uh, Providence, next exit, two miles. Green Airport, Providence, one mile. And that woman, she's saying, she's saying, keep left, go 7.5 miles. Keep left, go 7.5 miles. And I told him, I said, I said, she don't know where she's going. She's just wrong. And, and so he's all the way over here in the left lane. I said, you got to get over in that right lane. we gotta, we got to take this right-hand exit. And she's saying, uh, and so he makes a turn. She's recalculating. I said, you need to just turn her off and follow the signs. She doesn't know where she's going. And he said he'd had that thing about five years. Now, if you got one of those, I'll tell you what to do. If they've, if they've made any changes to the road, she don't know it because they don't let her out of there. She just got, once they put her in there, she got to stay in there. And so she, she's giving you the old directions. She doesn't know the new directions. I got a cartoon somebody sent me. This car is busted through a, a fence and it's flying off a cliff. And the, the voice coming out of the car saying, recalculating. <laughs> First time I got one of those things, I got it, put it in the car, and I'm just, I'm driving along, and I'm doing what she says. I'm used to that, only it's just different. Had to, just a slightly different voice, but I'm, I'm used to somebody to my right telling me what to do when I'm driving. And so anyway, I pull up, I pull up this intersection, and the, and the, woman that lives inside there, she said, turn left. And I did. 
And Lillian yelled because the light was red. I'm not paying any attention to the traffic light. She told me to turn left. And thank the Lord I didn't get pulled over. It didn't have one of those picture camera things there. But if I got pulled over, I'd just say, it's not my fault. She told me to turn left. I did that twice. Did. So those things are, you just got one. They're kind of nice, but they're dangerous. And also I've learned when you tell her to shut up, she just keeps talking. You've got you to gotta unplug it and, and, and turn it off. I'm not following that up. <laughs> I could feel some of you waiting for the next comment, but you're not going to get it. All right, so anyway, what was that all about? Oh, yeah. Uh, he didn't know the way to the airport, but there are signs out there telling him how to get there. And I didn't know how to get to heaven. But thank the Lord, Jesus came and he said, I know the way and I'll, I'll get you there. I'll take you there. Praise the Lord. Now, all right, Matthew chapter 12. What if I don't believe that? Matthew chapter 12, what about these other religions? That's what the Stetson students ask. You know, they come down there and they say, well, what about these people over in India or these people in here and there that have these different religions? And, and I'm glad that there's people to witness to those people that are very nice and very polite because I'm not. And I, I want to be and I try to be, but I usually say something like, what do you care? You don't care anything about those people. They just want to argue against the gospel. If you're so concerned about their souls, go over there and help them out. But uh, anyway, uh, so that's, that's me, and that's why the Lord put me in as a Bible teacher, not a soul winner. I'm a witness. I can witness, but draw on Anyway, Matthew 12, verse 31. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto man. But the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto man. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Now here's a blessing. The Son of Man who died for you, most sinners have spoken against him. Maybe just to disagree with him. Maybe just to use his name as a curse word. But then, here comes the Holy Spirit... Drawing you to repentance, bringing you to a place where you will repent of that sin and trust the Son of Man. What a blessing. And the Bible says right here, no matter how or what you have spoken against the Son of Man, if you will allow the Holy Spirit to bring you to Him in repentance, He will forgive you. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Now, I'm just, I, listen, I'm not proud of the sins that I committed before I got saved. I'm not. But I'm glad when I came to Jesus, He was willing to forgive me. He doesn't just forgive the people that have never been against Him. He doesn't just forgive the people who have never spoken a word to dishonor Him. Whatever you may have spoken against the Son of Man, if you'll respond to the conviction of the Holy Ghost, He will forgive you and save you. Thank the Lord for that. Now, if you refuse him, it's going to cost you your soul. All right, Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter number 10. He ascended, we saw this morning, to sit at the Father's right hand. Is that the end of the story? Not by any means. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 10 and verse number 23. But when they persecute you in this city, flee into another. For verily I say unto you, ye shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till... The Son of Man be come. 
How about that? Now, he's right there when he's talking to him. So he's not talking about his first coming. No way. So he's going away somewhere. Where'd he go? Well, we read this morning. He ascended to the Father's right hand. But he said, you will not have finished all the work I've given you to do until I come again. The Son of Man. The one betrayed in the hands of sinners. The Son of Man, the one who died on the cross. The Son of Man, the one who was buried and rose again. He is coming again. And He'll get here before we've finished the work that He gave us to do. There's more work. Well, you know, I've done this and I've done that. There's more work to be done for the Lord than all His people combined will accomplish before He gets back. But He's coming back. Son of Man, same one, coming again. All right, Matthew 24. Matthew chapter 24. Remember we saw this morning he came in poverty, came in weakness, allowed men to beat him, spit upon him, whip him, nail him to a tree. When he comes again, it won't be like that. The Bible says in Matthew 24 verse 29, immediately after the rise in gas prices, No, that's not it. Immediately after Obama, if you think this tribulation, you could pack up and and move. There's a jungle somewhere, a desert somewhere you could go live in if it's all all, all that bad as people make it out to be. I don't like the loss of our liberties and freedoms, but uh, having lost what we've lost, we're still 100 miles ahead of whoever's in second place, and so appreciate that. But anyway, uh, immediately after the tribulation, so there will be a tribulation. It won't last forever. It's got a time limit. And when that tribulation runs its, its course, the sun shall be darkened. What do you think that means? Just what it says. The sun shall be darkened. That's, it's not an eclipse. People email him this stuff. You know, there's going to be an eclipse next month. And, and, and the moon, well, if you look at the moon at a certain time of the day, it's going, to, it's going to have like a reddish tint to it. And that's, no, no, no. He didn't say the sun will be eclipsed. It will be darkened. The one who made it is going to reach over and pull the cord, and it's going to go dark. Now, he did that when Jesus hung on the cross, and he's going to do it again. sun shall be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, which is evident. If the sun's darkened, the moon reflects light, can't shine. And the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. How about that? Now, we can't get into all this tonight, because we're talking about the Son of Man, but I'll give you enough to... Maybe you'll come back sometime when we're studying Bible prophecy. Have you ever wondered how all the ancient people built these towers and went up on top of the towers and worshipped the, the symbols in heaven? And they went out at night and they said, Oh, look, there's twins. Oh, look, there's a scorpion. Oh, look, there's a lion. Now, I don't care how drunk they were. There's no way you can look up there and see that. And somebody told me, well, you know, if you just look at the major stars and ignore the minor ones. I've looked at the majors, the minors, half of this and half of that. I don't see it. Get the pictures and hold it up. I see the lines you drew on the picture and I see the stars. I don't see what you're looking at. Then I read in my Bible, Scripture said, after the flood, all the stars are out of course. Something dramatic took place when those waters came down from the deep. And flooded this earth, and the weight of that water uh, relocated, and, and, and shortened the lifespan, all that. Something dramatic happened. Now, you know what's going to happen? 
In that millennium, people are going to go back to living eight, nine, hundred, a thousand years like they used to. How about that? And the, and the ground is going to be fruitful like it used to be. And there's health and, and healing like there once was. And you know what the Bible says? Sun, dark, and moon turn to blood, and the stars shall fall from heaven. What if they're not crashing? What if the Lord is reordering them and putting them back where they were? When he talks about that great earthquake and that great shaking of the earth, it's talked about so many times in connection with the second coming. What if that's the Lord putting things back where they were before these terrible judgments fell the first time? What if the second wave of judgments, these tribulation judgments, are not destroying but repairing? So where do you get that? Well, look what's going to happen next. Then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Jesus coming back. That'll fix things, won't it? So the Bible says, Then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So not only is He coming, Matthew 10, 23, but He's coming in power and He's coming in glory. Now, He came in power the first time, but as a power veiled and a power unseen, He exercised His power to destroy sin and death and hell uh, so sinners could be saved. But next time, it's power and glory. Just as He told Pilate there in the judgment hall, He said, you see me, next time you see me, it would be different than this. Praise God. Now, look at Matthew 24, verse 27. For as the lightning cometh out of the east, and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. An evident, unmistakable display of the Lord's power when He comes again. I'm looking forward to that. Also, the Bible says in Matthew 24, 37, or start at 36, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, know not the angels of heaven, my Father only, but as the days of Noe were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So, what's his purpose? To rid the earth of the wicked so that it can be reestablished and replenished by the righteous. What's the Lord going to do? He's going to come in power. He's going to come in glory. He's going to rid the earth of the wicked and establish His kingdom with the righteous. That's all right with me. Is that all right with you? Doesn't bother me a bit. People say, what about all these other religions? Well, there they are right there. Either get with the program or you're not going to be part of the program. He's not going to alter His plan and His purpose because some don't believe it or some object to it. He's going to set it up. So, that's the Son of Man. Same one died on the cross, coming again. All right, Matthew 16. Matthew chapter 16. Have you noticed as we go through this study of the names and titles of Jesus, a couple of things keep showing up again and again. What He did at Calvary to save sinners from their sins... And the fact that he's coming back to this earth. So why do you keep bringing that up? I don't keep bringing it up. The scripture keeps bringing it up. 
And the scripture keeps bringing it up because every single day, the world and its media want to convince you that we're in this overwhelming, impossible, irreversible path to ruin. And if Jesus Christ is taken out of the picture, I completely agree. You want to look at North Korea? I agree with you. You want to look at China? I agree with you. You want to look at Washington, D.C.? I agree with you. You want to look at the government? I agree with you. You want to look at the shadow government? I agree with you. You want to look at the... Look, wherever you want to look, I agree with you. It is an unmitigated disaster. I would conclude it's an irreversible disaster. Unless you set all that aside and look in the Bible. And when I set all that aside and look in the Bible, I see the coming of the Son of Man, despite all the wars and all the rumors of wars and all the designs of men and all the devices of the principalities and powers, I see Jesus coming again to establish a kingdom of peace and righteousness on earth. And so I say, you know what? I need to spend more time in the Bible and less time on the websites. I need to spend more time with preachers and less time with political commentators and I'll have a much better outlook upon the future because the future according to the Bible is very, very, very bright. Praise the Lord. Now, I know, I know, maybe not as well as you do, but but I know quite well there is coming a seven-year time of great tribulation. Terrible, horrible tribulation. Such has never been on the face of the earth, but again, mankind, till the end of time. And I, I understand that. But But I want you to think with me for a minute. Seven years. Obama's been in office six years. It's gone pretty quick. I mean, day by day, getting up, getting dressed, going to work, sweating, cashing your paycheck, coming home, taking care of the yard... I mean, day after day kind of seems like, man, I don't know how I'm going to get through this thing, but let's be honest about it. Five years goes by in a blink of an eye. Seven years out of forever? It's not that long. Now, I'm not saying I want to be here. I'm not saying I want to try to get through it. What I'm saying is, if the rapture took place tonight... You'd be back riding behind the conquering king, Jesus Christ, in less than a decade. It's really not that long. I mean, Israel's in captivity 70 years. And then the Lord puts Cyrus in and sends them back. They rebuild. And, and 70 years, the Bible said, when the Lord turned into captivity of Israel, we were like them that wake out of sleep. <sighs> well, that was a bad dream. Seventy years was like going to sleep at night, having a rough night, and waking up the next morning. Well, I'm not saying that's seven years. That seven years is going to be horrible, but it's seven years. It's not that long. And then Jesus Christ comes back to this earth and establishes, you know, look, seven years. And he establishes a thousand years of his reigning at Jerusalem, and then turns that thing over to, to David, the nation of Israel, and, and, and makes a new heavens and new earth, and that kingdom lasts forever. 
So, as much as I don't want to go through any hardship or any difficulty or any trouble, if the worst thing that happens is i got to pay more taxes this year than I did last year, and I'm saved, and i got eternal life, and Jesus is coming again, I really think we ought to focus in more on Jesus than on temporal affairs. Okay? I'm just... I just I'm not saying we shouldn't do right in every field and every area that we could. But the main thing is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and people getting saved. So, and, he, and he's coming again. And, and that's, that's the answer to this thing. It's the Lord coming back. And he is coming back. And, and look how he's coming. The Bible says, Matthew 16, Matthew 16 and verse 27. For the Son of Man shall come, amen, in the glory of His Father with His angels, and then He shall reward every man according to His works. Now, what did Jesus tell His disciples to pray? They said, Lord, teach us to pray, as, most taught, or as, Moses, as John taught His disciples to pray. And Jesus said, pray this, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Right? Thy will be done on earth, and that'd be good, but it's even better than that. On earth, as it is in heaven. See that? And when he comes, he's going to come in the glory of his Father. As the Father rules in heaven. And you can't even imagine sin unrighteousness, sorrow, death, sadness, trouble in heaven. As the Father reigns in heaven, so the Son will reign on earth. You talk about a radical transformation of everything. And that's what we have to look forward to. Praise the Lord. He's coming in the glory of His Father. Look at Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. Matthew 19, verse 27. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of of Israel. Now, never mind who's judging, what they're judging in that. We're talking about the Son of Man tonight. When the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of His glory. How about that? Now, if you run glory in the Bible, to give glory to God, if you compare Scripture with Scripture, is to give thanks to God. And we know the Lord will, will be resplendent and, and, and maybe His garments be white and glistering like they were on the Mount of Transfiguration. But whether they are or not, that throne, it's, it's, not, it's not just that He sits there shining. It's that He sits on that throne and everyone is thankful to Him. It's the throne of His glory. Now, the, the, the root sin that provokes God to wrath well, let me, let me show you. Keep your finger there. Come to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter number 1. 
and verse 18. Romans 1.18 For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of Him the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Okay, so God is going to pour out His wrath upon everybody that didn't respond properly to his revelation. What's, what's, what's gotten the Lord so angry? Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. I can walk, I can see, I can hear, I provide for my family, I work a job, I built a house, I win souls, I am a Bible teacher, I am a... The Lord said, you know what, we, before he gets to the homosexuals, before he gets to the murderers, he said, I was, I was angry way before that. I was angry because you wouldn't thank me for the food you eat. You wouldn't thank me for the clothes you wear. You wouldn't thank me for the brains in your head. You wouldn't thank me for the health in your body. You wouldn't thank me for the accomplishments in your life that I... He said, because they were unthankful, I was provoked to wrath. So, well, you know, what do you think? These, these college kids sometimes say, well, you know, what's you, what your disposition of homosexuals? <laughs> They're not as bad as ingrates. According to God. They're not as bad as people who are self-sufficient. Well, I don't agree with that. Yeah, I know you don't agree with it because you don't like them. And I'm not particularly fond of them either. But... <laughs> But for every sodomite in your town provoking God to wrath, there are countless thousands of unthankful people provoking God to wrath. How about that? Well, I agree with that. Well, you don't have to. I didn't write it. You've got no quarrel with me. The Lord said, my wrath is against them because they were unthankful. They wouldn't give me the glory. Okay, so, when, when the Son of Man comes, it, He's going to sit on the throne of His glory. And everyone on the face of the earth is going to be thankful to Jesus Christ. You talk about a difference. That will be a difference. If you talk about a change, that will be a change. I was, I was telling the pastor this week, we were in the restaurant and... and Praying for we ate, and the waitress, she's very confused. She didn't know what to do. And I remember one time, I was with some three, I think it was three other Christians, and we were in a restaurant, and, and we were praying, and the waitress, when we, when we got done praying, she's down like this looking, and she said, is something wrong with the food? She thought we were, nobody wanted to eat, we're all just looking at the food. We said, oh, we, we were just praying. Oh, <laughs> what, somebody drop a contact lens or something? 
You know, listen, you know why that's so confusing to a waitress? Because in three weeks of working at that restaurant, she hasn't seen anybody who was thankful. It's not they're against God. They don't even think that he's out there. They don't even acknowledge him. And so, may the Lord help us to thank him for our paychecks and thank him for our uh, putting our feet on the floor in the morning and thank him that you, you wake up and, 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 you know, something not broken or falling apart or you're not the one being prayed for tonight or whatever it might be. A thousand times a day we miss an opportunity to give thanks to the Lord. When he gets back, he's going to sit on the throne of his glory. And it has, it has everything to do with who he is, but also has everything to do with how he's perceived. The throne of his glory means people are finally, truly appreciative of the Son of Man for what he's done and, and what he is doing. And that'll be, a, that'll be a great thing. In fact, look, look over... That thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Look at Revelation 4 just for a minute. Revelation chapter 4. Look what's happening around the throne of God. Verse number 8. Uh, these these beasts, they're round the throne day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to Him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever. You know what they're doing around the throne? They're giving thanks to God. Now, as far as we know, just from the Bible, these beasts, these flying creatures with the different faces and the wings and all that, Jesus didn't shed his blood to save them from their sin. Jesus didn't die on the cross to get them out of hell. For all we know, they've never been anywhere but around the throne enjoying it. But they're giving thanks to God. How much more those of us who have no business being there, how much more should we be giving thanks to God? And so... Uh, when, when the Lord, when, when men finally see the Son of Man on His throne, they'll finally get it. And, and they'll begin to thank Him. We give Thee thanks, O Lord. All right, Matthew 25. Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25. Matthew 25. Verse 31, when the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory, and before Him shall be gathered all nations, and He shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. His sheep, but the goats. They're not His goats. He doesn't have goats. He has sheep. And 34, Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. Verse 40, Then shall the king answer and say unto them, or, or um, where are we here? Um, verse number, could read the whole thing. Um, 
41. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, in everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Now here's what we want to see. Not only is the Son of Man coming, not only is the Son of Man coming in glory, not only is the Son of Man going to sit on the throne, but the Son of Man, when he sits on that throne, will have absolute power of life and death over every man, woman, boy, and girl that lives on the face of the earth. It is absolute rule in the hands of the Son of Man. That's all right with me. Praise the Lord. So, the same Son of Man that we saw this morning hanging lifeless upon the cross. The same Son of Man we saw this morning laid in a borrowed tomb. The same Son of Man that rose from the dead and ascended to the right hand of the Father. He is coming back to this earth in power, in glory, to rule upon this earth. I'm all right with that. I'm all right with that. Amen. All right. Now, that's the lesson for tonight. I'm going to take this opportunity. It's early. The night is young. It's still daylight out. We, we've, we had a little lesson on, on praying for the sick. Now we're going to have a little lesson on church. Okay? Ready? Just a little, let's just, really, just a quick lesson on church. Six and three-quarter days a week, I am bombarded from every side with a philosophy that runs contrary to the Bible. The billboards, the advertisements, the conversations, just life as we know it, I am very, very rarely reminded of the biblical mindset and the biblical approach to life. So, after living 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, in a world that doesn't think biblically. I might go to church and the church doesn't think biblically, but after, after all that time, I find a church that teaches the Bible. Honestly, let me ask you something. Do you think one sermon a week or two sermons a week or three sermons a week is a sufficient antidote to all of the world's approach to life that you've been bombarded with since the day you were born. It's not. And people are amazed that someone can be in church for five, six, seven, eight years and then leave church and end up so far out in the world. Well, why would that be an amazing thing to you? And I'm telling you, I need and you need... Not to hear something new every time we come to church, but I need to hear the truth of God's Word over and over and over and over on a consistent basis because I am going to hear the philosophy of the world over and over and over and over on a consistent basis. And it is necessary for you to make every possible effort to be in church, in Bible study, in prayer meeting, in fellowship, every possible opportunity, because I'm going to confess to you honestly what you would confess to me if you were honest, with all the fellowship I can get, I'm barely maintaining a mediocre Christian life. I don't even want to think about where I'd be without being in church on a daily basis. So, look, 
Nobody's, nobody's faulting you. We, we have jobs to go to. We have children to raise. We have school. We have, we have all these things. But I'm telling you, the world never says, oh, you've got to go to work? Well, then I'll take down all the crummy billboards because I know you're tired. Oh, you've got to go to work? Then I'll, I'll just, you know what? Hey, Hollywood, shut it down. They don't have time to watch that. They've got, they've got kids to raise. They've got school to go to. Hey, Internet, we're going offline. Why? Well, because they don't have time. See, when you say, I don't have time to go to church, but you spend that time going to whatever it is that's contrary to what you'd learn at church... So, we believe, in here tonight, we believe Jesus is coming again. But until you get back here, you're not likely to run into anybody else who believes that. Or anybody else who's going to be talking about that. Or anybody else who thinks that's the answer and solution to the world's problems. So, I need to get back here as quick as I can. To counter everything I'm hearing. I want to believe the Bible, but everybody around me wants me to not believe the Bible. And I want to live by the Bible, but the whole system that's in place is designed to get me to not live by the Bible. And so, I just, I, 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 I'm telling you, it's, if, if all you come to church is once a month, that's better than not coming. But it's not enough. And you need to be here every time the doors are open. And if not, if not here, if you don't like it here, you need to find a church that's teaching the Bible that where, where, where you like it. And you need to be there every time those doors are open. I'm just telling you, that world is not going to go easy on you. I'm saved. I'm a Christian. Oh, okay, we give up. We're going to leave you alone. Then I'm going to leave you alone. So may Lord help us to be in church and be in fellowship and be around people that, that care about us. Somebody going to rub you the wrong way. I rub you the wrong way every now and then, I'm sure. Or once a year, or something like that. I probably say something you don't agree with, or do something you don't like. Of course, somebody did something you don't like. But if you love them, you get over it, and you work it out. But you need to be here. I need to be here. I need you to be here for me, and you need me to be here for you, and all that. So, so anyway, let's not take this for granted. I'm telling you that people they don't have this. They don't have a place to go where people pray for them and check up on them and see how they're doing and. And uh, man, we spent we spent three or four days trying to uh, find out what, what's going on with Jan. And you say, well, what, you know, look, she can't give anymore. She can't come anymore. She can't benefit the church anymore. But you know what? We still love her. We still care for her. And you need to make those kind of friends. And you need to be with those kind of people that that aren't going to do something for you because you can do something back for them. They're going to still love you and look after you when when there's no return on that. On that investment, that's Christianity. So, anyway, I just, I just, I want to say that because we, we we got a good church, and and no matter who's in this pulpit, it's going to be a good message, even if it's just half pictures instead of whole pictures. It's it's <laughs> still going to get something out of it. And you know something, we we have that, and we get accustomed to it, and we take it for granted, and we don't realize what a what a special thing it is. And uh, so, we'll avail ourselves. All right, Father, thank you for the for the Bible and and all that 
Uh, we learn from it. And thank you for Christian fellowship. And pray, Lord, you'd help us just to stay devoted to being in church and being in fellowship and participate in all that we can. And, and uh, just thank you for loving us, caring for us, coming to save us when we were lost. In Jesus' name, amen.